Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Um, you know, I'm just going to jump in today. Uh, if you would open your Bibles to uh, Luke 24. And uh, now actually, I'm going to start with another psalm, but you really don't have to turn here. We've had this the last several weeks in a row. Psalm 34 and verse, I'm just going to focus right at verse 8. Okay, and here it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to review very quickly some of the things we've talked about in the last few messages to bring us back up on the on the same page of where I, I believe the Lord has us going here. Um, he never s- expected or said that there's an expectation that we just have a blind faith. Do you know that? And if you think about it, it makes sense. Okay? Why does it make sense? He always intended that we would have a very real, a very tangible relationship with him. That's not blind faith. That is a relationship with a God who's crazy about you and wants to be in interaction with you. We've talked about things like how often in the Word of God we read things like pray without ceasing. What is that? Have a conversation with Him without ceasing. Uh, Other places that use the word continuously. And, you know, we're talking about that. He never intended that we could live as in-touch, powerful, loved, beloved disciples uh, without tangible presence and actual encounter with him as a person. We're talking about that taste and see that the Lord is good so we can be blessed people, right? Um, You know, but we kind of go to the next step and we say, um, in order to taste and see, okay, what's required? In order to taste and see, we must be moved to the place as a people who are who are living in an awareness that he is alive and hungry to be with us. Those are two risky beliefs. Do you know that? Now, and I know if I asked you, do you believe Jesus is alive? Of course you would say yes. But we're going to we're going to talk about this in a reality kind of way. We're going to look at some stories this morning in reality. Your your life is in reality. And yes, you believe he's alive, but do you do it in a risky way? Where, you see, as Christians, as disciples of his, we are a people who, um, who ought, because it's appropriate, we ought to have a continuous expectation of encounter with him. And we're going to prove, we're going to look in the word of God. I mean, for, I believe the Lord's asked me to make this series very practical. Okay, something that um, that is not so mystical that it's not something that we can't join into and actually experience and live. Um, So I'll just say one more thing. And and if I haven't said it already, go ahead and start turning to Luke 24. If you're actually using your Bibles at home, we're going there. I'll just remind us one more thing. This series that we're in, it's very strongly on my heart to be talking about the the 40 days after the resurrection. And we introduced this, I believe it's in the last two messages, maybe just one, one message. The last 40, the 40 days after Jesus rose is a very specific time period 
that I believe he's shown me is, what is it? It's a learning curve, right? They knew him as, um, these are disciples that knew Jesus. You know, at varying levels of intimacy, they walked with him, they ministered with him, they watched him, they learned from him. They, in, in their own ways, each in their individual way, they knew him. Then he rose, and the 40 days is a, is a period of time in which there's been a renovation, a renovation of the universe, a renovation of his body, um, such so that they don't immediately recognize him. We're going to continue to look at other reasons why they don't recognize him. But they are in a learning curve of interacting, having a relationship with Jesus in, in an other world kind of way. Okay, and so this, I'll just put that out there. That's, that's where we're, um, we're picking right back up in that place. And um, so if you'll just turn in Luke 24 and verse 13 is where I'm going to begin here. And you know, most of you all probably know this story. This is uh, the road to Emmaus, right? So two guys, So what are we doing here? We've got two guys, and we're going to read this, but they're, they're traveling on a road. They're walking a road um, on their way to Emmaus when Jesus comes alongside. And we're just, I'm just going to begin reading. We're going to dig right in. Um, starting in verse 13, it says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Now, what are we talking about? I wanna, I'm just going to stop as I go along. You know me, like I do. And I'm going to make sure we're tracking. What are the things they're talking about that had happened? They were, these are disciples of Jesus. They, um, they, talk, uh, they are talking about the fact that their rabbi, their master, has been persecuted, uh, beaten, killed, crucified. And that's as far as they've gotten. They're not talking about his resurrection, really. Um, that, that's as far as they are, as they've gotten to, right? So all the things which had happened. Verse 15, so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. That's so loaded, it's crazy. So um, we're just going to take a minute here. And we're going to go through this. So it was while they, look, two things, two separate things. They conversed and reasoned, okay? Now I want to tell you that I believe that, and I'm going to, I'm going to try very much, I've asked the Lord to help me connect this to your life because this is very much your life that we're reading, okay? They conversed and reasoned. What is that? In other words, they are using worldly faculties, Okay, faculties that you are very much supposed to use, but but they're they're limiting themselves to these faculties. They're conversing. We're going to break that down in a bit, and they're reasoning. Do you know there's another place um, that this goes on? And I'm I'm going to grab it for a second. It's in Matthew chapter 16, um, starting in verse five. I'm only going to read a couple of verses here, but I want you to see that this is not a new way. This particular part is not a new way that Jesus is relating in a way that like, is, not, um, is not his mode or his way of doing things. Who he is, in other words. So here in verse 5 of Matthew 16, it says, Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. 
Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then verse 7, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we've taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith. Now catch that. He's, he's, he's attributing to this to being of little faith. O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have no bread? Are you talking, why do you reason? It's, it specifically says they reasoned among themselves. And he says, why do you reason? I want to tell you it's the exact same thing as what's going on in the, in the Emmaus story that we're reading. And Jesus has the exact same response. And we're going to look very deeply at it. Um, but I want you to catch that, in other words, there is a way that we can be in this world where we are trying to, the learning curve is, we have a tendency to try to apply completely worldly faculties to a renovated spiritual reality. Are you tracking with me? Now, I'm going to show you the, re- the result is fairly devastating, and I'm, I'm going to show you it does not lend itself to relationship with a resurrected Jesus. Are you tracking with me? So back to our main story in Luke. And let's see, I'm, I'm right back at uh, verse 15. I'm going to read it again. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, now you've got to see this. You've got, to, you've got to track with what we just read. Do you understand that they are conversing and reasoning? They are not asking <laughs> for the presence of God. They are not asking in this moment for Jesus to come alongside, which if you think about it, makes perfect sense. They're not actually reckoning Jesus as alive, so it's not likely they would be doing that. But here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice the heart of our Savior. They're not asking for him, and yet what it says is, there's my phone. Jesus is calling. (laughs) Let me set this over here. So they were not asking for the presence of Jesus, and yet out of his own desire, his own craziness with us, he draws near anyway and goes with us. It says Jesus himself drew near and went with him. I want you to know you're seeing his heart, okay? He has the desire to draw near and come alongside even when we're conversing and reasoning in such a way that that we're not in a place where we're even asking for him. Are you tracking with me? Now, it gets even more powerful. We read the next verse. Verse 16 says, and, and this is the key verse, really. This is, this is the place if... If you ever listen, listen now. Verse 16. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Did you hear that? Now, now do this with me. I think we most often, we get the interpretation of this wrong. We read this and we think, we almost blame God. We think when we read that their eyes were restrained, we think something along the lines of that God is the one restraining the eyes. But please just track with me for a second. Um, That's absurd given the context and the whole of the rest of Scripture. We just read that even though they weren't asking, Jesus drew near and began to walk with them on the journey without being asked. So it doesn't make sense. You know, he is God. It doesn't make sense that God is the one restraining their eyes. And it begs a question. What is restraining their eyes in this learning curve? 
in this period of learning to relate with the resurrected Lord, what is the restraint of their eyes? I think it's, it's in the passage. You have to go back to 15 where it said, well, what are they? They're conversing and reasoning. Okay, I'm going to tell you, and we're, if you're scratching your head, don't worry about it. We're going to move into things that makes this crystal clear, but I'm going to show you that it has an effect of, constraint, of restraining our eyes. And what's the effect? So that we do not know him. You see, I want to tell you that we're reading about your life. He's nuts about you. He's drawing near. He's walking on your road, your journey of life. He, he is the Lord that draws near. For them, he was right there. He's walking with them right there, but they don't know it. They didn't know him. Why? Their eyes were restrained. <laughs> Do you know this word, um, restrain? I had to look. It, it's to actually to use strength or to seize or keep or hold from. Okay? That's restrained. And this is saying that something of which I've, we're already getting, uh, getting touch with um, has restrained their eyes. So what? So they do not know him, even though he's right there. He's nuts about you like that, drawing near. The kingdom of God is near you, right? Go to verse, this only gets better and better. Go to verse 17 with me. goes on, and he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Every sentence in this story just blows me away. It's so loaded with truth and gold. What, what does Jesus say? This is the question he has for them. He's drawn near. He's walking along on their journey of life, on their road. He says, what kind of conversation is this? that you have with one another as you walk and are sad. Now listen, I want you to notice the words as you walk. Do you know you're walking? We're walking through crazy times. You're walking through personally crazy things that have nothing to do with our times, aren't you? We're walking. As you, this is a story as you walk, and I want you to notice it says, and are so sad. Okay, are you tracking with me? What's sad? I want to say, is, is sadness appropriate for their moment? I just have to put it out there again. They're in one of the most e- exciting uh, moments in the history of mankind. Are you tracking with that? It's, it's brand new. I don't know. I think this story is maybe within 24 hours of rising, 24 hours into the 40 days learning curve. And they're so sad. What's so sad? You almost want to make a joke out of this, like, man, it's pathetic. That is sad, okay? But that's not what it's saying. They're actually feeling sadness over what's going on. But I have to show you, you can't make this up. These words, what kind of conversation? um, That's three words, kind of conversation. In the the original language, um, it is one word. It's going to blow you away when I tell you what word this is. It's logos. It reads, what logos is it, (laughs) is this, that you have with one another as you walk? Are you tracking with me? Did you know, for those of you who don't, did you know that Jesus is the logos, word of God? Jesus is the logos of God. He's the word. He is, um, let me tell you about this word, and it's just going to completely make sense. You, You can't make this stuff up. Um, logos has in it, of course, it's a topic 
Okay, it's a subject matter, but they would understand all kinds of things we got to dig to see. It's a reasoning. It's a it's a mental faculty or a way of weighing things. If you're doubting me, let's move on. And, and motive, okay, motive is in this. In logos, it's what motive inspires the way you think. Computation is in this. In other words, analysis. Um, how do you analyze to come up with your conclusions? So now listen to me. What are we seeing? This is saying what kind of logo. Jesus' question to them is what kind of logos is this that you have with one another as you walk? Are you tracking? In other words, what, what motive, what reasoning, what computation? Are you getting it? What kind of conversation is this that you have? Is it one dominated with me at the center? Is it one that thinks the way I think? Is it one that is a resurrected Lord conversation that you have that puts you into the reality of the spiritual realm, the reality of a resurrected Christ that's so far in the story they don't even recognize, have an awareness of the presence of God walking with them? Or is it a logos that uses a worldly faculty of reasoning and conversing. Are you tracking with it? What kind of conversation? You have the wrong logos in, opera- in operation and it makes you sad. <laughs> it makes me... Um, I have this coming to mind. It actually makes me think of something we've read in recent weeks when the Marys go to the tomb. And um, we talked about this. And it says that, that when Jesus wasn't there, they were perplexed. They were confused, right? Well, what... Logos. What kind of conversation <laughs> were they having to be seeking the living in the place of the dead? Well, what does it cause? It causes confusion. It causes being perplexed. In this story, it causes them to be sad. So sad that Jesus can note it. Of course, Jesus notes everything about you. He's crazy about you like that. But he's noting it. What kind of conversation do you have? You see, emphasis on our own computations and reasoning that favor these physical circumstances instead of the spiritual renovation cause what? It's right here in the story. It causes us not to know him. Even when he's so crazy about us that he draws near and walks with us. Are you tracking? I'm going to read on. Um, So what restrains their eyes? What kind of conversation do you have? You see, what's the learning curve where we invite him to be very, very intimate? He's drawn near. You know, let me say one more thing. Um, He's aware of you. (laughs) That sounds really, really silly and simple, but I'm going to tell you something. He's absolutely aware of you all the time. The question is, are we aware of him? As he walks on this road with them, he's aware of them. It's his desire to join with them and go. Are you checking? And that's true. That's true with you guys. Okay? He's crazy about you. He wants to join. He's aware of you. The question is, is what, what conversation do we have? Does it put us in awareness with our problems, with these physical circumstances, or does it put us in awareness with presence? The presence of God that has drawn near the kingdoms upon you. Um, okay, this time I really am going to read on verse 18. It says, Then the one whose name was Cleopas 
answered, actually, let me just tell you, do you know Cleopas, he's named after the father. It means father of glory. I just have to tell you that. The one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? I want you to notice the words in these days. Now, how many of you um, feel like we're in a season in fact, we're always in one, but we're in a season now where you could go, there are things in these days. Are you tracking with it? The words here literally say, in these days. In other words, um, these are words that trigger us to understand that, that the manner of, st- the kind of conversation that they're having is very focused on the physical things that are happening. You know, for us right now, it, whatever, it's pandemic. For them, it was, you just killed our rabbi in these days, okay? And what are they doing? They're giving him a hard time. Are you so ridiculously out of touch? Well, let me tell you about, well, let let me tell you Jesus' response, and I'll tell you something about Jesus. His response is, in verse 19, he says, what things? I hope you see the humor of God, at least in part there, but they say, um, what do they say? Are Are you the only stranger? Have you not known what's going on these days? And he says, what things? We have to love that. And I, but I want to tell you what that shows. That shows that the resurre- th- this Jesus, this resurrected Jesus, post-resurrection, okay? Renovated body, sat down at the right hand of the Father. All authority is in his name. Every enemy's been put under his feet. That Jesus... See, it's not that he's out of touch with these physical circumstances. It's that he is absolutely in touch with a superseding reality. What things? You think those are significant things? Not that they don't mean anything. I don't believe that it's that it doesn't mean anything to Jesus. It just doesn't rival (laughs) the authority of his name and the, the renovation of the universe. It doesn't rival the spiritual reality. Jesus is very much in touch. <laughs> He's not out of touch. So they said to him, now they're just going to answer his question very literally, right? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Hmm. Now listen to me. What did that say? I'm going to read 21 again. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Do you see it? You know what? To get a handle on this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this very personal for us. I'm just going to say I think we do this all the time. Um, I'm certain that we spend a lot of our time hoping that he is the one who is going to redeem our stuff. <laughs> you got it? And it Now listen to me. Does what they does what this scripture tell us bear with any reality whatsoever? You see why are they sad? Earlier we read that they're sad. What kind of conversation do you have? Do you got it? What logos do you apply? to come up with your reality? What kind of conversation do you have as you walk the road and 
the type of conversation they have makes them sad. Why? You know, um, Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. I'm going to read it again. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Did you get it? Their heart is sick. They're sad. Why? They have a hope deferred. But is it really? Well, it really is for them. Their hope really was deferred. Are you getting it? But, um, but here's the thing. Jesus, and you know as well, I don't even have to say this, but I'm going to. Jesus has redeemed Israel. It's finished. He accomplished it. But the kind of conversation they have is one that restrains their eyes so they don't see the the presence of the kingdom upon them. They don't have awareness of the presence of God who's drawn near, who is walking with them. And so therefore, they live in a non-reality where their hope is deferred and their heart is sick. Did you get it? This is the learning curve. (laughs) They have a sick heart. And what is it? But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. They, they have every right. Jesus has bought with the highest price. They have every right to reach out and take the kingdom, to have the tree of life, to receive the hope that they hoped for. But this scripture says, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Jesus had to be laughing inside in, in the most tender loving, crazy about them way. He had to think this was hilarious while they tell them about their dashed hope. As he's he's right there, he's walking with them. Are we aware of the presence of God? And what restrains our eyes? What is it that makes it so that the presence of God that is right there with us is something where our eyes are restrained and we don't see it? How much of our time, how much of our prayer life do we spend praying as if we have a hope in something that's not accomplished yet? Are you tracking with me? Oh, I hope that, I hope you're getting that. Um, How much being sad, waiting, being sick-hearted in the way that we pray, in the way that we relate to Jesus must make him laugh hysterically as he loves us (laughs) with all of his heart. I'm going to read on here because it, it leads to more great stuff. Um, it says, Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. So they're going on telling Jesus. You know, and it had to be funny to him too. Um, he was kind of an important participant in the events that they're telling him about. <laughs> Can you, it, I mean, I don't know. I just, when I think about it, it, it had to be hilarious to him. As they tell him what? From their perspective, from the kind of conversation they're having, they're telling Jesus about the events. Do, do you do that? I don't know. I'm going to raise my hand. I think I do that a lot. Okay? I think we do. And rather than being aware of the presence, knowing the presence of God that we're in and what's been accomplished. <laughs> Verse 22. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. 
Are, are you checking? In other words, they're hearing amazing Christian things. They're still having a conversation as if the things they hear, they're hearing of things they didn't themselves see. Okay? They didn't, they didn't see it, but they're stirred by it, aren't they? Stirred enough, they have a sadness. They have a hunger. They want to know. You know, we do this. Um, what do we do? Um, I've heard of revivals. Great outpourings of the Holy Spirit, right? Gosh, I wish God was alive like that around here. You see, it's the same thing. It's doing the same thing. I've heard of the healings of the Lord. Man, I wish God was alive like that around here. Are you tracking? How, how do we pray? Um, I've heard of the power of prayer. <laughs> Have you guys heard of the power of prayer? You've even participated before. But you're struggling to remember. I've heard of the power of prayer. I wish he was alive and powerful like that here now. What conversation, what logos do you use? What conversation do we have? What restrains our eyes from reaching out and taking the kingdom that's upon us? The presence of God who is ever hungry to draw near to you. Uh, Verse 25, then he said to them, now listen, this is his response um, to their what must be fairly hilarious recount of what he was, he was a pretty important participant in the in the events, right? See, here's his response. He says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Now listen to me. Two things here, okay? He does fault them in two ways, and it's worth noting. Okay, the first one is foolishness. Oh, foolish ones. What's foolish? You should know better. Seriously, it's okay. It's, I'm your pastor. It's my job to encourage you. It's, o- <laughs> it's okay to go ahead and stop and recognize that we employ foolishness sometimes. What's the foolishness? It's, you know, it's recorded right here. He says, oh, foolish ones. And what? Slow in heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, what? They, they do have words that they know. These are not unknowing guys. They, they have not only um, the words of the prophets that they've studied, good synagogue goers, you know, good faithful attendance to church. They know things. They also know the testimony of, they just talked about it. They have just been told by witnesses of things that are now true in the renovation of the universe. In the risen Jesus, they know these things, but what's foolish? What's foolish is having an old conversation that restrains our eyes so we're not aware of the presence. That's the first one. You should know better. It's foolish. And what's the second one? Slow of heart to believe. I'm just going to be honest. We were just talking about that. Are we waiting for redemption? Are we slow of heart to believe? Or do we live as one with a risen Jesus? Do we live as one where we know that he's so crazy about us that he has drawn near and walks with us to where our eyes are unrestrained? We can, we can have the presence of Jesus as we walk our road. Are you following me? So, you know, slow of heart to believe. What's that? Do you believe that it's redeemed? Or are we waiting for redemption? How many things in your life, oh boy, here we go. How many things in your life are you waiting for the redemption of 
instead of believing Jesus already redeemed it. I'm not saying the physical circumstances that do so much lying to our eyes have to align. I'm talking about what kind of conversation do you have? What do you believe? Do you have a God that's outside of time? Help me do this well, Lord. I hope you're tracking with me. There's a type of conversation that we have that opens our eyes to the reality of a redemption that's finished. No matter what your circumstances tell you over particular areas of your life, there's another kind of conversation that we can have that makes it so that we have a hope deferred. We're hoping for something that has already been accomplished. Oh, the reality, the physical circumstances, the reasonings that we can have, they can catch up when they catch up. The physical circumstances can align with the truth when, they're, when, when it's the Lord's timing and he's good and ready to make that happen. But I'm going to tell you there's a certain kind of thinking. There's a certain kind of talk. There's a certain kind of belief that gives us, that opens restrained eyes to see the presence of God with us. And there's another type of conversation, belief, talk, reasoning that defers a hope and makes us confused and sad. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to read on here. Um, Do you know, now I'm going to do this um, because we've talked about it in in the past few uh, sermons and it's coming to my mind now, do you know there's a certain type of logos? There's a using a logos besides the logos of God, Jesus, as the basis for our reasoning does. And we've talked about this. It makes us fail to anticipate Him. I just got to say that again. These are this is another example of two guys walking the road of their life. The presence of God draws near, comes alongside, and what? They're not anticipating Him, and so therefore they fail to see. Do you see that? I know that we do this all the time. I I do this. I'm just going to be transparent with you, and I'm going to tell you that, um, not that it should be this way, but it's probably the exception for me to, uh, to have awareness of his presence with me at any given moment, which is the truth, right? The truth is his presence with me and unfortunately is probably the exception. Can you relate? Now look, I'm the I am a renovated creature every day of my life, every year of my life. Um, this is a humble statement. It's going to sound like pride, but this is humility. I am a renovated creature. I am more spiritually mature than I've ever been. All glory to God. And I'll tell you that more and more all the time it's it's moving away from being the exception. I'm more and more aware of the presence. The more I walk with him, the more I invite him into my road. Listen, the more I anticipate him. Wanting to draw near to me. He's crazy about me. And so my faith says he draws near to me. He walks with me on the road. His presence is here. You see, that's the type of conversation that I have. I've got another one for you. I'm going to talk about our prayer life. Help me with this one, Lord. What do you got to say? How often do we talk at him? (laughs) It's my job to encourage you. Just take a deep breath. 
How often do we talk at him instead of with him? Do you know that his desire is to be with you, is to talk with you? I'm sure that he loves it when we talk at him. Um, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you, that's a certain kind of conversation we have. And talking at him is a conversation that does not necessarily believe that he draws near and walks with us on the road. Now, I know if, you, if you're anything like me, there those of you feeling the sting of conviction, just I'm feeling it even as those words come right out of my own mouth. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Lord. He wants to talk with us. He wants a conversation. Um, he's there. He's in it. Um, okay, I, I better keep going. Move to verse 27, and it says, And beginning at Moses... Let me make sure I'm... Um, Doing good here, 25. Yes, verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, now listen, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now this is where this gets, it just gets really powerful. So, so listen in. What's he doing? Expounding is not the same thing as just like repeating or reading to them from memory or something like that. Expounding is illuminating, okay? Um, he is, oh, listen, He's beginning to open their eyes to the scriptures. He's beginning to remove restraints to truth in his encounter with him. You know, it's impossible to be in an encounter with God and not be changed. That's why encounter is so important. That's why awareness of his presence is so important. There is no such thing as growth or redemption without his presence because his, his presence is the redemption. And it's impossible to touch the glory, to touch the presence of the Spirit of Jesus in your life and not be changed. You want to be changed? It's in the presence. We need the restraints removed from our, from our eyes. Um, but now, now listen to me. I'm going to show you something that I think is going to be um, disturbing at first, maybe surprising. Um, is it great that he's expounding the Scriptures and showing them things? Sure, it is. But I, w- I want to show you something. We're going to read just next. We're going to read on in a moment. I want to tell you before you hear it that we're about to find out that all this illumination, this expounding of the scriptures is not enough. Why? I mean, I even want you to know why before we read it. Because it's not knowledge of the scriptures that their eyes are restrained to. Now track with me. What did it say? It says that their eyes are restrained and they, so that they did not know him. Did you track with me? In other words, their, their eyes are already open to a lot of truth of the scriptures. And, and this just recorded. He is expounding the truth about concerning himself as the prophets, um, as the prophets have foretold. And he's showing them all these truths. But I want you, if you use a new King James version, okay, the next title in your Bible is going to say the disciples' eyes opened. In other words, it didn't happen yet. Even though he's expounding the scriptures, that doesn't cut it. That's not, that doesn't bring them to a knowing of him. So, so what does? Look here. I'm going to read verse, um, actually, yes, I'm going to read verse 28. Okay. And it says, Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. I wish we could talk about that, but we're going to move. Verse 29, But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. 
and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now listen, verse 30. Now it came to pass, as, as he sat at the table with, him, with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. Did you catch it? Okay, so they're on the road. Now listen, they're on the road. His presence draws near. He begins walking with them. And what? He begins expounding the scriptures. They're in the learning curve. He begins expounding the scriptures. But it's not until now. It's not until verse 31 that says, then, so we have a then. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. How were their eyes opened? Now listen to me. Track with me. It was not the scriptures. It was tangible, relational interaction with him, sitting down at the table, taking the things that are freely given in tangible form. It was when he blessed and broke it. What's blessed? Let's just talk. We have to do this. Let's just talk about this for a minute. What's blessed? We're talking about two realms, okay? What kind of conversation do they have? First, they're having a conversation of of reasoning, of the circumstances of this world having the dominance in their mind, right? That's, that's one logos. That's one type of conversation. And then there's Jesus. Then there's the spiritual reality that supersedes in the authority of his name. So what's blessed? He took bread. What did he do? He took the physical thing on a physical table in a tangible experience with them and blessed it. What does that mean? He moved it to the other kingdom. Did you track? It's important. He took the physical thing. He took tangible experience the way he does with you. Whether you're aware of it or not, he's aware of you. <laughs> and he's doing things with you. And he's taken tangible things and wants to bless it. He wants to move it from one kingdom, a world kingdom, and bless it. Move it into the spiritual realm. Move it into the kingdom experience. He wants to give you a kingdom. And broke it. Okay? He's broken for you. He's broken so that you're in. You're in the in crowd. And gave it to them, freely given at this table. What's the point? Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. Church, it's so important we get this. Um, I want to say, it's so important we get this. Uh, I don't mean to tell you that study is not important that time in the Word of God. It's absolutely critical. It's essential to be grounded. So essential that in Jesus' encounter, his, his presence drawing near and, and joining with them in this road, it is recorded that he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Okay? So don't hear me saying that um, our study of the Word of God is not important. Other places in the Word of God, it says Study. That's pretty clear. Study to show yourself approved. But I think for today, you know, in this 40-day learning curve of a resurrected Lord, where we become aware, as aware of His presence as He is aware of you, that's called a relationship. Okay, two ways. As we do that, there's something we've got to get. The expounding of the Scriptures, the, the cerebral experience of a Jesus is, is not the blessing that he has planned for you. He wants your eyes open. He wants to remove 
the restraints that allow us to know him in relationship today. He wants to do that. And to do that, this story tells us that that did not happen until they had tangible experience with him. You got it? Thank you, Jesus. You know what? I was going to keep going. Um, oh, this is so good. We're, we're going to do this stuff, but I think, I think not today. I feel like I'm, I'm sensing that that's a powerful enough thing where I want that to be your leaving thought. Okay? So we're going to leave it there, but we're going to do something together. Um, in fact, I, I think I made a couple of notes here. Let me see. Give me a minute to play. Yeah, how about this page? <laughs> it's a good one. Okay. You know, the, what does the psalm say? Psalm 34.8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Okay. What's, re- what's required to be blessed? Well, we've got to be men who trust in him. How do we do that? We just read about it. We have actual relationship with him. We participate. We do things with him. Why? Why can we do that? Because he's drawn near. Because he cares about your road. He walks with you on your road. Now listen. How many of you uh, want to taste and see? Do you want to taste and see? That's what I want to ask. I think we should um, do something right now to taste and see. Let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's what I've got. Um, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to go grab a phone. In fact, I'm even going to have our film crew here and everything. We're going we're gonna to stop in a moment, and I'm going to be right back with you, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to grab a phone, and, and here, here's what we're all going to do together. I believe the Lord wants to give us experiences of answered prayer. That's what an alive Savior does who wants to draw near and come along. Can you believe that with me? So first, we're going to, I'm going to ask you to take a minute to invite the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind a name, a face, someone you know, someone in your contacts (laughs) or your directory, if you're old school, um, in your contacts or whatever, uh, a name or face where he wants his presence to come and give a tangible answer to something that they need. It's risky. I know you feel the risk. It's it's okay. It's not going to... Well, it it will kill the old man and raise the new man to life. How about that? (laughs) It might feel like it's killing you. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us the person. And then here's the crazy thing you're going to do. We're going to call them. Call them. Okay? If if they don't answer, that's fine. You can table it and call them later. The Holy Spirit already knows if they're going to answer or not. But we're going to believe that God, that the risen Christ wants to answer some prayers and give some people some tangible experience with him. So then call them, ask them what they need prayer for. Okay, ask them what they would love to have prayer for and then pray for them. But now here's the thing. The last thing you're going to do is make sure that the last part of your prayer with them is thanking God for his answers to our prayers. Why am I being so demanding? Because what kind of conversation do we have? (laughs) What logos do we operate from? We operate from one that says the work is finished. Do we hope 
that it's redeemed and that God is capable? Or do we know that it's redeemed? And he'll answer the prayer. Sure, he'll do it his way and in his timing. But we can thank him for the answer now, can't we? That's a type of conversation that a believer in the truth has that gives us awareness to his presence instead of not recognizing that he's right there. Are you tracking with me? Okay, so, so Father, we ask that you bless this time in the authority of your name, Jesus. We believe that you're about to spread the kingdom in tangible ways in people's lives right now as we reach out. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to stop this camera and we're going to be right back because everybody even here is going to do this, okay? So we're going to stop the camera and take a minute. Let the Holy Spirit bring the face, the name. Who does he want to make a blessed man or a blessed woman by knowing him? Because they come into awareness of his presence. Let him bring the person and then call them. Ask them what they'd love prayer for. Pray. Thank God for the answers. And we'll meet back right here in just a minute. Welcome back. I trust that you had either had a good phone call or they didn't answer. And that's okay. If they, if they didn't answer, we trust what the Holy Spirit puts on your mind. You just try them back later. Try them back tomorrow. Or begin praying for them now. Try them back. That's fine. And you know, I just want to conclude today by praying as the body of Christ together. Okay? I want to pray over the seeds of faith, the power from the throne room, from the authority where Christ is seated that you've just released in people's lives. Okay? So just pray with me. Let's pray over this. We thank you, Lord, that you are risen. And, you know, we repent (laughs) over our lack of awareness. We acknowledge before a spiritual audience that you are aware of us and you withhold nothing. And we thank you that you're crazy about us like that. You're crazy about me like that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray for every phone call that we've either just had or that we're about to have with someone that you want to make a blessed man or woman. And we give you our faith, Lord. We give you our awareness of your presence. We pray right now in the authority of the name of Jesus that power is being released from the throne room, from right where you sit. Answered prayers are going out from the courts of heaven in the name of Jesus. We're asking for for tangible answers. In, in your time, we yield to you. In your time and in your way, Lord, we receive what's freely given from the authority of the courts. In your name, Jesus. Now, you know, I have specific places coming to my mind. So I, wanna, I want to agree with God. Do this with me. We're going to keep praying. I'm going to begin to agree with God over places where... I I know we already have viewers or listeners. (laughs) And so, Lord, I, I, uh, I thank you that you are working in Singapore through this. And in the name of Jesus, we are releasing answered prayer under your authority in submission to you, Lord. We're releasing uh, the kingdom in Singapore through these phone calls in the name of Jesus. 
We're releasing answered prayer in Australia in your name, Jesus. People, people all over Australia that have just been called, we're asking for answered prayer. Thank you, Lord. We know that you want to draw near to them. In Great Britain, Lord, we ask that your presence is now drawing near through these prayers that we've just reached out to them. The power, the authority of the throne room, we speak in the name of Jesus over the lives of those who've just been touched. You're doing things there. We thank you in advance for the answers that you're going to answer with your wisdom in your way. And our brothers and sisters in Mexico, in the name of Jesus, we are in, in your name. In that authority, we're releasing your answers over Mexico. Specific bondages and restraints are falling off of people's lives. Blessings that they need, tangible experiences that they need with you. We're asking that that's released. We're agreeing with you that that's released from the courts of heaven in the authority of your name, Lord, right now. We thank you, Lord. And Pueblo, <laughs> I don't know, Pueblo, right here in Colorado. Lord, we're asking that, that uh, answers from your mouth, from the throne, are going out over Pueblo. Things are changing. They have needed this, Lord. They've needed to know you in this way. They need their eyes open. They need to know you in this way. And we thank you in advance that you are meeting people in Pueblo. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you that we are the privileged children of God, that as long as we can have our minds renovated to be aware of your presence, we get to walk with you. You have drawn near. Help us be aware of it. We love you, Jesus. I pray all these things in your name. Thank you for joining. God bless you all. Don't, don't forget to... to Give us the testimonies. You know, this is going to unfold over days, weeks, maybe months in some cases. I believe the answers are going out. They're already going out from the throne room. Tell us your stories. We'd love to hear them. We want to know what God's doing. God bless you all.